It's Eurovision 2007 in Helsinki, Finland. Lordi opens the show with a music video of Hard Rock Hallelujah specifically made for the event. There is no single media which depicts Lordi's rise to fame better than this video. Beginnings rooted in mountainous uncertainty, coldness, guided by an untamed vision, reaching the summit where fire and desire light the path. This video, shot in the northernmost part of Lapland, Finland, and produced by Marcus Selen and directed by Antti J. Jokinen, opened the eyes of the mainstream public to Lordi once more. Lordi have reached their height of global fame, but much like this music video, descending the mountain can be tougher. New paths open up and your destination changes. You're listening to Season 2 of Monsters of Rock, The Lordy Story, a true metal podcast production. I'm your host, Matthew Kessie, and this is Episode 1, Dead Ache. In the last season, we guided you through Lordy's journey from a concept in the head of Mr. Lordy all the way through to the final moments of the Eurocalypse era in August 2008. If you haven't listened to that season, of course, make sure to head back and start there. But for now, we pick up from where we left off. Yeah, And when we talk about the Eurocalypse album, we obviously have to talk about the most documented thing in Lordy's history. Um, in terms of the mainstream media, anyway. Um, does it does it annoy you? When, I don't know. <laughs> does it annoy you when it's brought up all the time? Nah, it did. It, I mean, it, it did. It really did. But I'm now come to terms, come to terms with it like many many years ago already. Lordy's Eurovision victory, while it brought new eyes to the band. With that came the notion that Lordi were a Eurovision band and solely known by the mainstream for winning that particular competition. It was very hard for me to to come to terms with the with the fact that most of the Finns even long after I'm going to be gone and, and and rotting in my fucking grave and after I'm 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 I'm, rotting, I'm still my biggest achievement for Finns will always be that that I was the guy who had the band who won the first Eurovision victory for Finland. I know that, but it was it was a hard, tough nut to swallow for a long time because I mean I mean because I don't define myself or my band with, uh, through Eurovision at all. Lordi's mainstream popularity 
as documented in season 1, lasted much longer than the band had expected it to. The extremely busy schedule played a contributing factor in Lordi's well-being in the final phases of this era. Fall of 2007, that's when the, the Aracalypse era ended for me, you know? Because 2007, mm, we had Asfest, then we had two weeks off in between, and I was like already so happy that now this, this, this year and a half of craziness, or, or one year of craziness after Eurovision, it's over, and now I can come, you know, now I can take a little bit of a vacation and then start working on the next album. This break though didn't occur as Lordi went back to the USA to tour with Type O Negative. Upon returning from this tour, Lordi was behind in writing material for the new album. It was in this period then that Lordi experienced a nervous breakdown and burnout. I was so exhausted mentally and physically that, that the symptoms started started you know coming so from so strange uh, uh, places that I first of all I, I lost a sense of smell nice. then I forgot how to speak Finnish uh, then I started forgetting the names of my friends of people I started forgetting their names then I was fought, fought watching Frasier the, the, the sitcom on yeah. TV and I started crying watching it because it was so touching and, and then I lost the hearing on my left ear in order to recover from this and to get as much rest as possible, Lordi went to his cabin to isolate himself after getting diagnosed by his doctor. His now ex-wife took his phone and screened which calls and messages he would receive in order to allow him the mental and physical break he required. It was throughout this time then that he was able to work on the fourth Lordi album. And remember, this is this is like the end of the year 2007, beginning of 2008. So for me, that's when the Dead Egg era started. That's when I wrote the songs for Dead Egg album in a, in the most depressive state that I've ever been. You know, yeah. and and for me, that's that's Dead Egg. The other members in the band at this time were also feeling the effects of a strenuous and exhausting almost three-year album cycle in support of the Eurocalypse. Mm, quite um, uh, tired. Yeah. <laughs> and especially I think Mr. Lord was having some kind of a small burnout, I think. Awa, Lordy's keyboardist at the time, notes that this period proved difficult for the band, but more so for the mastermind behind Lordi. Or, or at least he was quite exhausted. We were all, but I think he was the, the most because he had done, he's, you know, the main brain of the band. So yeah. if, if we had some week break, he probably was already making new album covers or something. So he never basically rested. So... <laughs> Uh, it was quite uh, a little bit like hmm, not melancholic, but just a little bit tired. Eamon, Lordi's guitarist, 
also reiterates this point, basing it on the busy nature of publicizing the band during the Eurocalypse phase. Yeah, Derek was really difficult time for the band. Right. Like we were so tired because of the Eurovision. Yeah. And we didn't we really didn't play that much, but there were so many T V shows and whatever and when when we supposed to have a little break, we went to the do promotion. I don't know what we did promotion for, but everybody wanted to us. And so we went to the TV stations and whatever, and it was fun, but it was two years. It was really, really, really fucking busy, like every day. Right. Not Christmas Eve, but every other day. And from that, Mr. Lori went really like, Tommy started to be really, really like down. And, you know, he was really like, uh, you know, out of energy. Yeah. Burnout. That's, and that's why we have this album name, Headache, like, comes from the headache, of course. And, and Lordy's fourth album, Deadache, which was produced by Nino Laverna and released on October 29th, 2008, has been a fan favourite ever since. And this is in part due to the rhythmical and tonal pattern of the album, which focuses heavily on darkness and more horror-related themes than the previous ones. And this altogether brings about a dynamic lyrical journey for the listener. However, for the band itself, Deadache is an exhibition of their mindset in that moment of time. Tired, worn out, and just fed up of being perceived by others as something else. And one song which remains close to Lordy's heart from this album is Monsters Keep Me Company. Monsters Keep Me Company is a song about how I was feeling after the fucking Eurovision thing. And, and and how I felt about the whole uh, uh, reaction from people to the band and to myself and to the work that I've been doing, which is my life work, and how all of a sudden they they you know they raise me up and raise my band up and then they want to put me down all of a sudden and and they are they are looking at it from a wrong direction from angle everything i do you know that they um uh made me a fucking hero even though i didn't want to be i wanted to be an anti-hero for god's sakes i, I didn't yeah. want to be luke skywalker i wanted to be darth vader yeah and they didn't get it so 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 that song and also raise hell in heaven is is, a, is another one there and those songs were written in a in a very deep depression and a burnout. When it comes to that album, do you find it harder to play the songs in that album live? Yeah. 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 I hate that album. This is a funny thing because most I, I think I think big chunk of Lordy diehard fans who think that Dead Egg is our best album. For me, it is the worst. That is the album that we shouldn't have done. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, the songs are all right. I mean, I, I but I, I hate the production. Right? I mean, it never. You know, with that being said, I mean, Nino is a good friend of mine, and but, but I don't like the sound at all. It is like the opposite of the sound that I would like to have on a Lordy album. Lordy's dislike for Deadache, while rooted in his own experience of the time, 
is also based on the sound of the album, but more particularly, the sound of the snare. Then also, um, <coughs> the sound. I don't like the sound of the album. I mean, I don't like the production of the album at all. I mean, okay. I've, I don't think I've ever had so many fights or, or like, 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 like disagreements with the producer than I had with Nino then. Lordy ultimately, in his and the band's recording career, were always striving for the perfect 80s hard rock sound. Starting from the Get Heavy days, each subsequent album, however, moved further and further away from that goal, all culminating in Dead Ache, an album which sounds a million miles away from that intention. When we did Dead Ache, we had this, we had this uh, <laughs> uh, weird moments when I remember that, and, it, and, it's, and it's usually about the snare sound, you know. It is because, uh, well, I'm an 80s kid. Yeah. Born in the 70s, so I'm an 80s kid. So for me, the only correct uh, uh, snare sound is the huge. Yeah. That is the snare sound. That is that is the correct snare sound. Period. You know, that's a big snare sound. That is cool. No matter no matter what, there's yeah. there's no other snare sound that is that would ever and can ever sound cool in my ears. Yeah. You know, so. So for me, I remember this moment when we were uh, at the mixing stage of, 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 of Dead Egg, and I said, this sounds like a fucking demo. I want to have the big fucking drum sound. I want to have the big fucking snare. Nino, come on. And Nino's like, it has the big drum sound. You want to, me to put the volume up? Come on. I said, like, no, I'm not talking about the volume. I'm talking about the fucking sound of the drum. And he's like, yeah, but it's big as fuck. I mean, it's the biggest fucking snare sound that I've ever done. Like, no, it's not. It sounds like a fucking dunk, dunk, dunk. It's not a big, it's not a... This all occurred during the mixing of Dead Ache, and the overall differing in opinion was actually down to Nino and Mr. Lordy not sharing the same terminology. For him, the big snare that I was talking about meant exactly the sound that he was doing, that he was doing and producing it, that he uh, that he created. Yeah. But 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 I should have called it a wet wet snare. Then okay. that would have meant the, the sound for him. Yeah. So actually, it was a it was a technical misunderstanding, and and we didn't share the same same technical vocabulary. experience of recording Dead Egg made it clear to him that this particular lineup wouldn't last forever. And sticking to the recording side of things, with regards to Eamon's actual guitar parts on the album, some specific changes gave Dead Egg a somber and dingy tone. Dead Egg album, there are a lot of chords we usually don't have on guitar. So I, play, I played kind of a 
keyboard chords with the guitar. Like, uh, what if you have a A chord? Yeah. And so I usually play with Lordy just a A5 chord. Like, so it doesn't, nobody knows if it's a major or minor chord. Okay. But like for, and the keyboard is playing the major or minor on it. And then it sounds as it sounds. So, for example, Dereka, we had a lot of those songs that I played, major minor chords with the guitar and different variations and and all that, so... show visited Finland two and a half years ago and in that time they have become international superstars tonight I'm happy to welcome them here to perform a song from their brand new album Dead Ache fasten your seatbelts here is Lordy up their U.S. tour at Irving Plaza in New York City and coming out to wish the band farewell was none other than Sebastian Bach. The band had a relatively successful run of shows with momentum building after their appearance on Conan O'Brien earlier this month. Mr. Lordy, leader of the Finnish horror rockers, talked about the conversation between him and Conan. Well, the funny thing is with that, with Conan that he was like, okay, how tall are you? How tall are you? And he was actually measuring our heights and uh, I was taller but then again uh, I have to say that I wear platforms sorry to you know burst the bubble but I wear really high platforms so actually I'm a dwarf you know without without the platforms but with dead ache recorded and released Lordy embarked on yet another US tour this time with the American group Lizzie Borden as their support. At this stage, the mainstream coverage of Lordi was still relatively expansive, and while touring the USA, Lordi featured on Late Night with Conan O'Brien, a show which was actually fairly popular in Finland at the time. And while on their time over there, they were pushed and promoted through numerous media outlets. Then, when returning to Europe, Lordi appeared on TV and radio shows across mainstream channels in a variety of countries. However, in Finland, things were changing. I mean, we are not, we are just like, we're just one on the long list of, uh, of heroes that the Finns you know, put on a pedestal and then they kick the pedestal down. It's, it is something in the Finnish state of mind. It is in our genes. That's what we do. We like to kill our idols. That's what we do. Okay. It, I, it, it, I mean, it's, 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 it always kind of like makes me go, hmm. When I see that, the, that, that when it, whenever there's like, like some sort of a, a survey done, uh, uh, 
globally that uh, and Finland usually gets to be the, the happiest country in the world yeah. the, the, the happiest nation uh, if I I mean I mean Finland is filled with people who are jealous they hold a lot of grudge in them they are envy and they are backstabbing people that's how we are we are fucking forest people that's i mean i mean and i i don't say this as a as putting my own you know fellow fins down but i'm just telling how it is and i'm telling you how i am this yeah. is how we are yeah. it is in our fucking it is in our fucking nation that's how we are uh um there's a long list of these people. Like, like for example, the, the the world's best ski jumper, Matti Nykänen, who died like a year ago. Uh, I mean, he was the most celebrated Finnish athlete ever. Even even a guy like me who's not following any sports, I knew who he, who he was, yeah. and I, he's like the hero of fucking Finland. Like, and and he was as long as he was succeeding. But then for the past. I mean, the last fucking 30 years of his life, he was, even though a successful guy doing, actually he turned in, uh, he started doing music, but, but the most thing that the Finns were, you know, following him uh, for was his alcohol problem and all the stupid shit that he did. Right. You know, and, and he was a fucking laughing stock and he was a fucking joke. A joke that you are proud of, but still a fucking joke. And that is so fucking cruel. Finland's U-turn on their own Eurovision heroes became noticeable to Lordi through their depiction in mainstream media and the attendance of their live shows in their home country. I remember, I think it was on Dead Egg Tour, we had a long tour and the last shows on that tour were in Finland. And uh, and we had a, 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 a Spanish, originally Spanish, uh, um, drum tech with us. Yes. And and he and amongst other people in the crew, who, who we had a very multinational crew back then, uh, he and many others in our crew that were not Finns, they was like, oh, I cannot wait to get to Finland and see the the, the Finnish crowds go crazy with this show, and we were like laughing that, oh my God, you do understand? Well, you don't understand, but you will realize when we get to Finland, you will see that the worst shows are gonna be in Finland. And they were like, what the fuck? And I remember what, what, what Armando said. He said that, that oh, oh my God, so you just won the Eurovision and it's not been on like, it's on like two years now since you won it. And you're telling me that, 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 that they have already abandoned you. I said, yeah, fuck yeah. This is the Finnish way. We're nothing. We're, we're below where we started. You know, we're, we're way on the minus side, you know, now. And he said that, that if, 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 uh, an artist wins Eurovision in Spain, that artist will be a celebrated national hero for the rest of his or her life, yeah. you know. And here's a funny thing. I've noticed now that it's been over 10 years since our Eurovision little trip, uh, and I've seen it actually on TV. I've seen it, like, like literally seen it in, in one program, but I've seen it like on many occasions the the Finns like to remember the ones who actually didn't make it you know they are uh, the moment that here's the thing in Finland when it comes to Eurovision we want it but they don't play us on the radio they don't play hard rock hallelujah on the radio they play the ones that didn't succeed 
this apparent Finnish way was stirred and manipulated by the media, as Kita informs us here. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the Finnish way that when sometimes uh, after the Eurovision, uh, we were like heroes. And then a year went by, and, and especially when we, re- we released the, the next album and the, and the movie. So then at that time, already media started to kind of like, they were they were started to dig in the dirt and everything like and and every 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 uh like uh story was like really negative not not every every news was something okay, okay now they didn't perform well or they, they the movie doesn't go well or whatever like shit. yeah but uh, but uh, but also i think it's uh these last 10 years the media not so much this like the Finnish media doesn't doesn't report that much what Lori is doing but at the same time when I'm when I'm uh, I'm, I'm like touring in Finland and and I, I and I speak to people so the people they they haven't forgot Lordi yeah. and they haven't forgot the Eurovision and they're still really strong fan base Finnish fans but they are like in the kind of like underground but whenever Lordi comes to perform suddenly it's sold out or whatever. Yeah. But so- somehow, because of the media, some of the promoters doesn't believe in Lordi. But nice. but now again, they are believing because now they have more geeks here in Finland. So. Yeah. That was like during uh, the apocalypse days when when. When you know, I come off from the stage dripping fake blood, and I'm like sweaty, and I'm a monster, fucking huge monster, red eyes, horns. I mean, come on. This story from Mr. Lordy, which takes place between the eras of Aracalypse and Deadache, is one that I think captures the misinterpretation of the band perfectly. Yeah. And then there are there then there are these like grandmothers with their grandkids and asking for an autograph and their widest smile on their faces. And I'm like, okay, this is not right. <laughs> but okay, I'll sign, I'll post for a for a selfie, yeah. sure. Yeah, all right. And and then sometime later I remember the cra- craziest thing that, that, that we had a show in Finland uh in an arena and then we did our thing, you know, uh, but this was like a year after Eurovision or something like that. And then there were kids who were shocked and they took away, there were children crying at the concert and their parents took them away in the middle of a show <laughs> crying. And then there was a headline screaming the next day that Lori made the little children cry at their concert. And then people started commenting about that. Why did Lori change their thing? Why do they want to all of a sudden be this these crazy monsters? Why do they want to be this ugly and terrible and terrific? Uh, I mean, I mean, terrible. And, and why, 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 why do they want to? Why did they change now? And I got so mad. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> we haven't changed. You are the fucking idiots who didn't know what you're digging. You have no idea. You didn't do your homework, idiots. You come and bring your fucking kids to a lorry show. And then you assume without knowing or without checking, without doing your homework, without you don't know where you are bringing your kids to. You're bringing them to a lorry concert. Would it be inappropriate to 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 assume that you would know what you're bringing your children to 
You know, but clearly, yeah, because for those people, for those fucking idiots, the only thing that they knew and the only thing that they needed and the only thing that they thought that that is even enough for them to know about this band is the motherfucking hard rock hallelujah perform, performance in Athens. The Dead Ache era is a portrait of Lordi in the post-Rockalypse phase. Abandoned and misinterpreted by their own nation, but still remaining true to themselves and the career Mr. Lordi and the crew paved in front of them. And if there are any lines in a Lordi song that truly explain what this band stands for, they come from that album. And ultimately the effect that everything that was going on externally and how it affected the band really kind of takes account of. They come from the song Raise Hell in Heaven. They are, why justify my existence all the time for you? You hate my stubborn persistence. You know that in the end, I won't lose. Monsters of Rock, The Lordy Story, is a True Metal Podcast production. The show is presented, produced and written by Matthew Kessie. Head to True Metal Pod's social channels to keep up to date with the production.